Wrestling fans, resistance is futile. Braun Strowman is a loser. Roman Reigns is the best in the world, and you're listening to Wrestle Rant Radio. Tommy Sharp alongside Graham GSM Matthews, and we are here to bring you the front-to-end WWE coverage that you deserve. Listen online at nextera-wrestling.net. Graham, we live in a world where Goldberg has defeated Kevin Owens to become the Universal Champion. We live in a world where Charlotte Flair is no longer the queen of anything. AJ Styles has been cheated out of not one, but two WrestleMania headlining opportunities. And Braun Strowman has sheepishly backed down from the dead man himself, only to bow to the big dog Roman Reigns, who prepares to take on the Phenom at WrestleMania. Graham, where do we begin? I have no idea. I think you just kind of listed off every major criticism slash highlight of the past week in WWE. I don't know if an hour can fit at all, but we are in the fast lane to WrestleMania. That much is for sure. Um, forgot how many days we are away, 20-something days, but I'm excited, though. 26, uh, 26 25, 20, 24, 24, 24, 24 yep. days until WrestleMania. Free on the WWE <laughs> Network, yep. if you haven't caught on to that catch right there. Um, there's so much to talk about, so many uh, major moments, major changes in a lot of direction, uh, or is it directionlessness? I don't know. Um, uh, let's just start off with something that made a huge impact for me this week. Let's start off with the confrontation between the Phenom, the Undertaker, and that of one Braun Strowman. Graham, when, when that bell hit with Braun Strowman in the center of the ring, and that bell goes off and the Undertaker comes out to confront what, how did you feel in that moment before the two had even stood in the same ring together? What, I w- what was your impression? I was excited because I think we all kind of got the feeling based off what we saw at the Royal Rumble with the big dog Roman Reigns eliminating The Undertaker. That was kind of the the the, the uh, plan for WrestleMania, that those two were on a collision course towards the show of shows. But it kind of threw me for a loop there for a couple seconds when Braun Strowman demanded Roman Reigns and out came The Undertaker instead, who's been kind of looming in, in the background for the past couple months since the Royal Rumble conspicuous by his absence. Um, it was very cool. I mean, Braun Strowman has been demanding competition for months, only for him to back down to the Phenom on Monday night. was a bit questionable to me. I guess we'll find out where we go on, you know, from here on out. But I thought it was a cool confrontation. Not the first time ever, but it was a definitely a different Braun Strowman than the last time these two came face-to-face a year or two ago when uh, Braun Strowman was still riding with the Wyatt family. It feels like Braun Strowman has had the complete win taken out of his sails. He lost at Fastlane to Roman Reigns clean one, two, three, and then to show up on Monday night only to back down from not only The Undertaker but sulk away at the very sight of Roman Reigns who came out with a saunter and a, a, a slight drag in his step as he approached the ring. Braun Strowman just disappeared. You know, is that going to be the future for Braun Strowman to just kind of relegate him back to where he, what he was doing, just squashing nobodies? I feel like that's that that's the kind of thing he deserves at this point because he certainly isn't going to be aggressive enough to go up and face someone like The Undertaker, but apparently Roman Reigns is. So if that's the reality, that's the world we live in where Roman Reigns is going to take on The Undertaker, what do you think about that confrontation? I mean, that's a first-time ever one-on-one confrontation between the dead man, the big dog, something a lot of people have been waiting a long time for. Definitely definitely an interesting clash of styles there um, between two of, you know, a member, kind of a representative of the old guard and the new and the new guard in Roman Reigns, past versus future slash present, whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure what we will see ensue between these two going into WrestleMania. It's definitely a high-profile match for Roman Reigns, which he is completely familiar with. I mean, you go back to the past couple of WrestleManias, 
Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 31, Triple H at WrestleMania 32, who he defeated to win the WWE Championship to begin with. So uh, I'm sure he poses a threat to the dead man, but this is a different dead man than we've seen in recent years, though. It absolutely is. Now, uh, I was watching on the WWE Network last night. I was watching the WrestleMania 25 match, widely considered one of the greatest matches of all time on WrestleMania Rewind. Excellent documentary series, as always, from the WWE when it comes to documentaries. But, you know, watching the the build up watching watching the tension and the absolute like sinister like uh, uh, competitive nature that the undertaker possessed at wrestlemania 25 not all that long ago uh we're now here going into wrestlemania 33 and we do not see the competition that 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 pure athletic prowess anymore in the undertaker at all and when we have a world where roman reigns can seemingly easily take out a monster or former monster like Braun Strowman. Well, I just don't see how the undertaker stands a chance here based on what we've seen in the last two weeks from the big dog, Roman Reigns. Could complacent be the right word? I mean, last year, you got a pretty easy matchup with Shane McMahon. I mean, I think we can all admit that Shane McMahon was a pretty easy opponent for the taker, let alone in his own playground of sorts, hell in the cell. Roman Reigns is a way different threat than Shane McMahon ever posed to The Undertaker, and one that he has not yet faced one-on-one. I mean, if you can recall, four years ago, The Shield took out The Undertaker for a long, long stretch of time, and I'm sure Taker has yet to forget about that. Um, But as they had said, I mean, we talk about John Cena being big match John, but Roman Reigns is big match Roman as well, like you said, Triple H. Brock Lesnar, he's taking them on. He's taking them all on. He's beating them all. I'm sure Taker will be no different. Yeah, it it, it seeming it, it seems like that is absolutely true. It seems like Roman Reigns is on a path uh, to beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania, which is now becoming even more common for the Undertaker to have to be kind of put up against. And it, just drawing that illusion back to WrestleMania 25 against Shawn Michaels, that appeared to be especially with some of the things that went down in that match and some of the just horrific you know spots of injuries and things like that it really appeared to be like that should have been the undertaker's out and the only thing that disappoints me about the dead man and about defeating the dead man is that he didn't stay dead defeating the dead man it would have been a a dream come true to see him continue and continue and continue and then the second that he's beaten at wrestlemania he's gone for good And he walked away, but he didn't walk away. The dead man came back to life. And what happens when you become mortal? You have so much to lose. And the Undertaker is going to lose at WrestleMania. That's not a prediction, as Paul Heyman would say. That is a spoiler. So spoiler alert on that. But let's let's jump to the other major meatheadish feud that we have going and brewing. Kevin Owens, former WWE Universal Champion, has fallen to the legendary, unstoppable Goldberg in a mere 21.5-something seconds. I timed it myself because I knew it was going to be that short. Now, when you have no time for a match on a pay-per-view show, you kind of get the impression that it's not going to take all that long. And whether the WWE believed that Bill Goldberg was absolutely going to decimate Kevin Owens, just like he did to Brock Lesnar on two other occasions, well, they must have allotted, you know, about maybe... Five minutes or so, seven minutes for intros and walking down to the ring and posturing. And you got to factor in that Kevin Owens is a coward. So he's going to roll around the ring like come some kind of fish. And then he gets back in the ring. Bam, one, two, three, you're done. Just like Goldberg promised. However, before we get into the Kevin Owens side of the equation, and before we get into the Brock Lesnar side of Goldberg's equation, I want to ask you Graham what you made out of a comment that Goldberg made on Monday night now he is now the new universal champion and will be going up against Brock Lesnar at Wrestlemania but before he was interrupted by Paul Heyman on Monday night Goldberg said something to the effect of and I am paraphrasing here there's something I need to get off my chest there's something that's bothering me something to this effect and now he was cut off because a CM Punk chant started up and he acknowledged it, which is a big no-go, especially if you're in Chicago. So Paul Heyman rightfully came out, cut the segment off, and, and they headed back in the direction they were heading. 
Graham, do you have any insight into what Goldberg was talking about? No idea, but I will say that everything, you got to keep this in mind too, everything that Goldberg has said up to this point, I will go into Survivor Series and beat Brock Lesnar. He did. He was going to go into the Royal Rumble and wreak havoc. He did. He was going to walk into the Fastlane pay-per-view last Sunday night and win that championship for his kids and his wife. And he did. He has done everything that he has set out to do since coming back to WWE. So whatever he was going to say on Monday, and I have no idea. I didn't even really pick up on that, so it's a great observation by you, Tom. But I guess we'll find out on Monday. I don't know if he's scheduled to appear, but we'll find out. I hope so. I hope that this isn't something that that Goldberg needs to make public ASAP. Because if that Universal Championship is in question at all, I mean, who knows what he's doing backstage. Goldberg could be just, you know eating you know, tin lids to old cans and smashing his head on the door. I'm not sure what he does. Uh, but if he is not fit to compete and not fit to be the WWE Universal Champion, then we need somebody in that role. And, and I, I'm not sure where Goldberg was going with all of that, but and hopefully we'll find out, but we may never know. Everything changes so fast now that we're on this fast lane to WrestleMania. That there's so much being thrown at us left, right, upside down. And speaking of total implosions, my God, let's talk for a moment about Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho obviously costing Kevin Owens major opportunity to even put an offensive face on during his match against Goldberg. Grim, what did you feel about not only Chris Jericho's interruption, as predictable as it may or may not have been, and the following confrontation that they had this past week on Monday? As you had said, I feel like we had kind of called our shot last week here in the show. I mean, we're not the only ones. Many other people did as well that Chris Jericho would cost Kevin Owens the championship last Sunday. But the follow-up on Monday I thought was very, very strong. I mean, this is a match a feud, the bad blood that's been brewing for months and months and months that Jericho had pointed out. They have been, you know, quote-unquote best friends. Jericho, in in their mind, had been best friends. And Kevin Owens' word, he was simply a tool that he used to just help him throughout his reign as Universal Champion. And once he, field, once he felt that he had, you know, served his use, then he would toss him to the side. And that's exactly what he did about a month ago. Um, so I thought the laying out of the groundwork for their match at WrestleMania made perfect sense to me. And Owens really has no reason to fight Jericho other than the fact that he wanted to exact revenge on him from Fastlane. But he also pointed out that, you know, in a way, you took my championship away from me. Not, of course, beating him, but costing him that championship. Owens had said, no, I'm going to take that title from you. Lest we forget, Chris Jericho, for those of you that are still wondering, is still the Universal, or rather the United States Champion. So the difference between the way that Kevin Owens is approaching this is to say someone like Seth Rollins is he's not knee-jerk emotional about this. He doesn't mind the fact, well, he certainly does mind the fact, but he, he, he has a plan and a strategy around the fact that he just lost the Universal title. Yet he knows in his back pocket he's got a rematch guaranteed to him. Now, it didn't happen right away like Seth Rollins would have done and come right out and say, I need to get it back right, right then and there. He's got a little more of a roundabout plan, and he's going to get two things done at the same time, and that is going to be to put a hurt and take something away from Chris Jericho, who came out to a giant, massive Chicago welcome. Uh, it was the birthplace of Y2J, and he came out to a hero's welcome. And Kevin Owens came out to a more indifferent welcome because we have yet to see what kind of impact he's going to put on Chris Jericho. This is going to be one of the best matches that has already been announced and locked in place for WrestleMania 33. Um, It's been something that we on this show have been long talking about and tracing the tendrils of this would-be friendship since the very beginning. And you have to remember there was a rocky point right in the middle there where they were not talking to each other again. And then coming back after that, Chris Jericho, I thought he would be more cautious than this. But now he's playing offense and Kevin Owens is chasing his tail. So we'll see where that goes. But rather quickly on the Goldberg-Brock Lesnar side, the Universal Championship match that is now a championship match at WrestleMania, where do you feel like that fits on the card? Is that the main event for the night? It's got to be. It's got to be the main event. I mean, as 
marquee of a match as Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton is. I mean, the story there. I mean, Goldberg and Lesnar have their story as well. Well, we've talked about with Wyatt and Orton before, and Orton kind of calling a shot six months ago on SmackDown, something a lot of people aren't talking about enough. WWE is not talking about enough. We'll get to that soon enough. But with Goldberg and Lesnar, no matter what people think about these two, no matter how old they are, Goldberg is 50 years old, the oldest world champion we have ever had in WWE. That is a proven fact. Checked it out myself a couple days ago. Regardless of that fact, these are the two biggest stars that WWE has right now. Bigger than John Cena. Bigger than anyone this company has to offer on Raw, SmackDown, or NXT. Putting them against each other is a money match. Regardless of how many times we've seen it, regardless of how short or how quick the match might be, this is a marquee match and this is the main event of WrestleMania. It has to be. Now that the title is involved, now that and, and this is the the match that could elevate this championship to a real premier status. Not that it's not that it should be viewed any differently, but perception is reality and the WWE championship match should still be the priority for main events. If you go by the logic that Daniel Bryan laid out this week as far as what the main event for WrestleMania has traditionally and has always been, the winner of the Battle Royal, the Royal Rumble, will go on to headline and main event, specifically WrestleMania against the WWE Champion. That, right now, is Bray Wyatt. And Randy Orton won the Royal Rumble. So, by traditional standards, Randy Orton should face Bray Wyatt for the WWE Championship in the main event, which we have both discussed on this show. The main event is the last match. There's no multiple main events. There's no multiple last matches. If you're second to last, I don't care what title you have. You're not the main event. Okay? If you're a band and you're playing before the last band, you're not the headliner. Okay? <laughs> yeah. That's just how it works. So how does it work that Randy Orton can give up and abdicate his spot in that match, in that title match for WrestleMania for the World Championship and allow two weeks to pass and management to have to find a replacement for that match. And in two weeks time, AJ Styles, not once, but twice has legitimate claim over saying that he was the number one contender tw two weeks in a row to have that taken away from him in a third, completely erroneous, unneeded match to determine who's the number one contender. What do you make of the fact that management allowed Randy Orton to even have this opportunity in the first place after giving it up. He gave it up. That's it. You got to move on. I mean, I know he was allowed to regain his spot. So it's, I mean, it could have been worse. They could have had told AJ, hey, screw off. Orton's the main event of WrestleMania. But I mean, they allowed him to earn it back against AJ. But like you would I feel say, like they said that a little bit by their actions. They did. They did. And, and, and in doing that, having AJ earn the number one contendership three times when he has already earned a one-on-one -on -one rematch for the championship, which he has yet to get since Chamber, since the night after Chamber, the SmackDown after Chamber, and the week since, it just blows my mind. I mean, as you have said on time and time again, as we have said on constant, constant occasion, that the main event, in my opinion, as much sense as Orton versus Styles, or rather Orton versus Wyatt, I just kind of spoiled it, but as much sense as Wyatt and Orton makes for the main event of Mania, the match in Mania that I would like to see most, we just saw on Tuesday between Randy Orton and AJ Styles. And the common thread behind all of that is that they're all pretty much free. So, you know, I don't know the importance of all of them <laughs> in an order anyway if you're going to give them all away for free on television or on your free network that you can get for free. But moving on from that point, you're right. Randy Orton and AJ Styles is the competition in the WWE today. It has to be. Those are the two A number one competitors that you're going to see anywhere in a WWE ring right now. That is the match that I would die to see at WrestleMania, much like Seth Rollins versus uh, Randy Orton with that incredible, huge RKO spot out, out of the curb stomp. Amazing. was one of the greatest WrestleMania moments I've ever seen in my life. That's the match and caliber that Randy Orton is able to do against an opponent that is matches him in every way, toe-to-toe, -to -toe, Rock and Austin, Michaels and Under, you know, all, Michaels and Undertaker, Michaels and Flair, it doesn't matter. All of these things speak to the credibility of Randy Orton versus AJ Styles, and we will not see any of that. We've already seen it. 
That's done and over with. The reality is, is that WWE Champion Bray Wyatt will face Randy Orton for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 33. It is being billed currently as the main event. That's how Shane and Daniel are talking The about main it. event, not a main event. The main event. Will that be true? We will see how much control Stephanie really has behind the scenes if that comes to be the reality that we're going to be stuck in. But another reality, hard reality, harsh reality, for the former queen of PPV, Charlotte Flair, now a queen of nothing. She is going to be involved in a triple threat Raw Women's Championship match against Bayley and Sasha Banks. Gee, I feel like I've seen this before. Is it September by any chance? I feel like we're doing a Clash of Champions it, preview show. It, oh, it, wait, it, we have seen this match Yeah, before. we have seen this match before. And here in Massachusetts, it does feel like September, even though it's March. <laughs> but speak to me a little bit about what we've seen from these three competitors in the past. And why are we seeing them compete again? Have none of these women stood out in their own way to go one-on-one -on -one with the champion? We've seen, that's the thing, you, you say, you know, discuss everything we've seen from these, we've ha, we, we have seen everything. Seen it all. We've seen it all. We've literally, the only thing we have not seen from these three on Raw since August when Bailey arrived on Raw was Bailey and Sasha Banks one-on-one. -on -one. And we just saw that on Monday. So again, the WrestleMania moments and matches just keep on coming. But as you said, WrestleMania is free. So who cares? It doesn't really matter. Does anything matter anymore? It's another show. And the <laughs> only thing that matters to me is that it's not a SmackDown branded pay-per-view called WrestleMania. Make that, it happen. That would be the only way that I think that the show of shows would really have the prestige that it needs here and not be tainted by some of this trivial nonsense that's going on in the WWE right now where monsters are disposed of easily and queens are dethroned with uh, like basically by being tabletopped. I mean I mean the 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 blatant interference at Fastlane by Sasha Banks should have Bailey completely embarrassed to be in the same room as Sasha Banks. What kind of champion is Bailey proving herself to be if she can't get the job done on her own and when people interfere, why is she not in their face saying, "Get out of my ring. I'm I'm the boss." No, no, Sasha Banks clearly is obsessed with anyone that has that belt. If she's your friend, she'll be all over you disrupting your matches. If she's your enemy, she'll be all over you disrupting your matches. Why is anyone going to be friends with Sasha Banks after this? And honestly, I just don't see what kind of strength position Charlotte has anymore. I have no idea. At this point, Charlotte going into WrestleMania, she's got nothing. She doesn't have a rematch. She lost at Fastlane. She doesn't have the streak anymore. She lost at Fastlane. And she doesn't have the championship anymore. She lost that last month. So what does she really have? I'm not going to go as so far as to say she's damaged goods, that she's a loser, but she, she, she's a loser. I mean, she lost to Sasha Banks a couple weeks ago on Raw. She lost to Bayley at Fastlane on, you know, last week. Sasha has lost God knows how many times. Nia Jax was at one point a threat to the championship, conspicuous by her absence on Raw this week. Where the heck, who knows where Emma is? I mean, Nia Jax... She should totally be embarrassed. And that's why I don't think she showed up on Raw this week. Nia Jax was uh, basically pinned by a throw pillow in, 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 in Sasha Banks. Pinned. A bridged pin on Nia Jax. I'm just going to repeat that in case anyone is listening. A bridged pin by 10-pound Sasha Banks against the brick wall known as Nia Jax. How does that happen? I, I, I mean, it, it, it's mind-blowing to imagine that Nia Jax was at fault for that loss. And, and yet, here we are, unfortunately, calling Nia Jax the loser in that competition. The lesser of two competitors when compared to Sasha Banks. Does that statement feel right to you? No, I mean, since arriving on Raw, Nia Jax has lost two matches. Fastlane and against Bayley at the start of the year. That's it. She has lost two matches. Charlotte has lost... How many matches in the past six months on Monday Night Raw? A lot. A lot of matches. But she was automatically granted a shot at the championship at WrestleMania because of who? Stephanie McMahon. The politics that go on on Monday Night Raw with the management. I don't care if Mick Foley is every bit as guilty as, as Stephanie McMahon is. He was pulling for Sasha Banks to be in that match. Just, just because. Because she got a random win over Nia Jax. Mick Foley is every bit as guilty as Stephanie. Just... 
the yeah. management going on on Raw right now. I mean, SmackDown is a, is a bit guilty of it as well, but with Raw and specifically the women is mind-boggling to me. Well, let's let's jump over to the SmackDown side of things because this week Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan came out and they put their WWE Championship picture in perspective, and and that was all well and good. But one of the things that they were confronted by was AJ Styles backstage, very direct in the face of Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. So that was earlier in the night. This was before he fought against and lost to to Randy Orton. So Talking Smack goes by interviews, which we'll get to in a, in a little bit there. Some really interesting stuff happening on Talking Smack. But meanwhile, while Talking Smack is happening, something else was happening as AJ Styles came into the back curtain. Uh, in the back room, uh, as what is known as gorilla position, we see Michael P.S. Hayes, we see Road Dog, we see Shane McMahon, we see a, a number of other you know WWE uh, uh, management members, if you will. And AJ Styles completely loses his cool on Shane McMahon to the point where Shane didn't really get a word in edgewise. Road Dog looked terrified. And I don't think that any of them expected, you know, AJ Styles comes with a little bit of Southern charm in everything he does. He's a little snide. He's a little snarky. He can definitely get in your face and get under your skin, but no one's really seen him rare his teeth like we saw in this backstage segment. What do you make of that on top of the compounding rumors that are circulating the IWC right now that Shane McMahon is going to end up in a match against the phenomenal AJ Styles at WrestleMania. Is that worth AJ Styles' time to even show up? No, but the writing has been on the wall for a couple months, so I can't say I'm surprised that we are likely getting Shane and AJ at WrestleMania. But I will say, for as as much as people complain about the product not making sense, you know, this came out of nowhere, Brock and Goldberg has a story. Orton and Wyatt has an amazing story. Dating, brilliant back, dating back to September. September and earlier. Yeah. The tendrils of this going so far back. The WWE doesn't put this story together because they don't believe that you're smart enough to follow these threads. Because that's why WrestleMania is being heralded as a, much like the Super Bowl, is not really for football fans. It's for your common viewer. That's why these you know, flavor of the month kind of, uh, uh, you know, legacy legendary characters start popping up this time of year. John Cena does something a little different. You're not expecting. What does this say about the WWE's lack of, uh, you know, consideration for our intelligence when it comes to these stories? I mean, they're, they're only talking about Randy Orton breaking up with Bray Wyatt in the last three weeks. This has been almost a, a year in the making for this let alone to say that all competitors involved have stayed healthy, knock on wood, um, are we seeing the WWE try to rewrite the narrative and change the stipulations and the weight of this as opposed to what we saw in WrestleMania's past? I will say that I will give them the benefit of the doubt. In the case of Orton Wyatt, we have three weeks remaining. I have, okay, I probably shouldn't have too much faith, but I have some faith in this company in the WWE, that they will present the narrative as it deserves to be presented. In that case, uh, maybe in the WrestleMania video package, which is always, you know, so illustrious and really, you know, very storied, celebrated. So I'm hoping they will bring it up at some point. Orton really wasn't given much time to talk this past week. He really just went out there, won the match, and that was it. I don't even think why it was on the show. Um, so we really did not get a chance to acknowledge that. That being said, that opening segment with Shane and Daniel Bryan, that time could have been used to, you know, go back to that storytelling tidbit from six months ago that some random jabroni picked up on Twitter. I think the WWE should be very well aware of that as well. Um, but yeah, I feel like with the WWE and the fact they overlook that kind of thing, they're focused on the quote-unquote the casual fan. I think it's just because, and in some cases, they do insult our intelligence. They know we're always going to be there. For as many times as I feel they have slapped me in the face as a viewer, as a WWE Network customer since day one, I have yet to get any benefits, but whatever. But um, the going forward, though, they have, you know, just are focused on the casual fan, knowing that we are always going to be there. And they're probably not wrong. So um, no, I, I can see where they're, they're coming no, from. No, of course they're not wrong. And, of course, I 
I blame Kevin Dunn specifically for his video team putting these garbage packages together. This is not a reflection on the WWE, the in-ring performers, or any of this. This is specifically a reflection on the production team of Kevin Dunn and his group of goons that make this show look <laughs> like chipmunks. Yeah, look, look, look as as it does, and that has always been a criticism and a valid one. You know, it has to be, if, if people can criticize Zack Snyder, I can certainly sit here and criticize Kevin Dunn without being a major reflection on all the hard work that goes into the in-ring performance. That's that's a total aside. But when we look and we focus back on that in-ring performance, and I still have questions, and some of these questions revolve around the SmackDown Women's Champion, Alexa Bliss. She came out with this contrived idea of delivering a blissertation. I don't know what that means. I don't know if she knows what that means. But either way, she didn't get to deliver whatever she was going to say. And I'm talking smack. She didn't give any allusion to what it was going to be either. So for all intents and purposes, she was just going out there to waste everyone's time. But she does that pretty well, and I don't mind watching her do it. So... Given that the result of all of this and all the interruptions and all of the Daniel Bryans coming out and working things out, Alexa Bliss is headed into WrestleMania 33 undefined. She has no single one-on-one competitor again. Do they not think highly enough of the women's competition to give them one-on-one competition that we can sit there and, and be inspired by? No. Instead, the SmackDown women's champion Alexa Bliss is set to defend her championship against, and I quote, all SmackDown women who are available to compete. Why is the language worded that way, Graham? Naomi. I'm thinking they are holding out hope for Naomi being clear to compete in time for WrestleMania. But then again, they could always be holding out for some surprises that WrestleMania is known for. We could see, God forbid, even Marie resurface at any point in the next month. She is active as a wrestler. She's not hurt. She just has not been seen in many months. We could see a return of a former face. We could see Kelly Kelly. We could see Victoria. We could really see anyone. But... The language there is very, very telling. It could be two women. We already know that Natalia, Mickey James, and Becky Lynch are pretty much set in stone. But that leaves room for Naomi, Eva Marie, Carmella, obviously. Maybe Nikki Bella pulls double duty. I mean, there's a lot of options there. But I, I got to agree with you, Tom. The fact that it's not a one-on-one match, in my opinion, is a disgrace. It has been 11 years since we have seen a women's championship match as a one-on-one match at WrestleMania, that being Trish Stratus and Mickey James at WrestleMania 22, which we constantly hear about from Mickey James and Alexa Bliss and everyone else in the WWE as one of the greatest feuds slash matches in Mania history, and it absolutely is. But then why has it not been repeated since then? And why is it not echoed right now? Mickey James turned her back on Alexa Bliss this past week, kicked her right in the face, an unbelievably devastating kick right to the face of the champion Alexa Bliss. She goes down like a sack of potatoes, laid out in the middle of the ring with Mickey James standing over her. I'm waiting for the one-on-one. Where is it? It's not coming. That is, it makes me so filled with rage. The fact that management thinks so little of Alexa Bliss's impact as champion, more of a place card holder for whatever champion that management would like to see. And I think management is literally stacking the deck against Alexa Bliss. And all Alexa has ever asked for on Talking Smack to Daniel Bryan or Shane McMahon's face is just competition. Just give me a plan. Give me something I can work towards. I mean, prepare for once for a match. It'd be great if I could prepare against Mickey James, someone that befriended me and turned their back on me quicker than Jericho and Kevin Owens imploded. But no, Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan seem to get a lot of sick enjoyment out of torturing Alexa Bliss with all of her talent and skill. So I honestly don't see a way that Alexa Bliss uh, walks away from WrestleMania 33 champion. She doesn't even have a full roster of people outlined to suggest who she should prepare for. So she doesn't need to be pinned. She doesn't know who to prepare for in this match. What kind of match is this, by the way, either? Is it, it a battle royal gauntlet? Like, we have no idea as of it's right a, now. It's a, yeah, it, it, we, have, we have absolutely no idea. Like you said, we have three short weeks to determine all of these factors. Mm-hmm. But the way we're talking about this card for WrestleMania 33, you would think it was happening on Sunday. You know, with with everything that we've been listing out and going through, it, it there's only a few more matches to yet be announced. And they're quite obvious matches. Let's just skip into that real quick. Let's talk about the 
the elephant in the room, so to speak, of the, the match that just has not been made but is as clear as day going to be made, and that is between Dean Ambrose and Baron Corbin. Now, obviously, this past week, uh, Baron Corbin dropped a forklift on Dean Ambrose's chest, which was pretty cool. If you're not, if you're Dean Ambrose, but uh, otherwise, uh, Baron Corbin really showed that he doesn't care about anyone's well-being. He threw a security guard at Dean Ambrose, and then he hit Dean Ambrose with a giant lead pipe, and then put a forklift on him. I was surprised he didn't run him over. I'm also surprised that the officials that were trying to lift the forklift off of Dean Ambrose didn't actually accidentally run him over as well, <laughs> which is just great because I don't want to see that on uh, on a Tuesday. Graham. What what do we know about these two competitors, and if if there's any kind of just normal rules in this match, I mean, is it even going to work? Does this have to be an automatic no DQ kind of match? It has to be. It has to be along the same lines that Dean Ambrose. He he was pretty well prepared, despite the fact he was decisively defeated against Brock Lesnar last year. He was that that was within you know his comfortable environment. He was within his comfort zone at WrestleMania last year when it was a no-holds-barred street fight. And on the one-year anniversary, no less, of Baron Corbin's WWE debut in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And we know when he what he could do, what he's capable of with weapons in his hands. Lest we forget TLC a, a short three months ago when he absolutely decimated Kalisto in a breakout performance, in my opinion, from the Lone Wolf. Um, I think people are really underestimating Baron Corbin, not in terms of what he's capable of physically, but rather mentally. Because he knows he could draw Dean Ambrose. He knows he can, you know, a light of fire within the, the lunatic fringe and, you know, really convince him to put his championship on the line in a one-on-one -on -one situation, drawing him backstage and then luring him to a position where he can get the better of him. So I think Dean Ambrose it really is at a disadvantage in this situation, whether he knows it or not, against Baron Corbin. And well, if Dean Ambrose's plan, if his plan is to rely on his resiliency and rely on his near adamantium-like skeleton that he has to get him through this uh, this match with Baron Corbin, that's one thing. But Dean Ambrose is in a position right now where he needs to make a statement to get Baron Corbin to go away for good. Off his plate, you're not even close. But that is going to be the Intercontinental Intercontinental Championship match. It, it is going to be announced this upcoming Tuesday, guaranteed, money down. And uh, I want to say that Dean Ambrose must evaluate, much like I'm sure that Baron Corbin in his past NFL career would sit through hours of tape and watch this. Dean Ambrose, not known for his attention span, but if he doesn't study the tape of what makes Baron Corbin a weakling, and he is, deep down inside, every badass that tries to hit you with a lead pipe they are a weak individual at their heart because nobody needs to do that if you have real power nobody needs to exert even a, a finger to make those things kind of change just look at stephanie mcmahon so if dean ambrose studies for once in his life for anything it should be this match because if he loses his intercontinental championship to baron corbin he is no different than the loser known as braun Strowman. I will say this as well, too. I mean, I've been very critical, needless to say, of this company so far in this episode. But I will say, I will praise them in this respect. Thankfully, from what it looks like, they could always surprise us. we got three weeks left. And, you know, the match has not yet been announced officially for the card. But they are not doing, for the third consecutive year, a multi-man ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. Let's just throw a bunch of bodies in one match. Guys like Zack Ryder and Stardust and Sin Cara, people just that just people do not care about. Thankfully, it's a one-on-one -on -one match. They're getting the respect they deserve. These two guys deserve it after the year they had in 2016. Dean Ambrose is the WWE champion, the Intercontinental champion, Baron Corbin arriving on the scene, making a major impact, making a major statement. I'm glad it's a one-on-one -on -one match and not throwing Dolph Ziggler in there and Apollo Crews for the sake of it. So I'm glad they're doing that. Absolutely. Well, just piggybacking on Dolph Ziggler and Apollo Crews and multi-man you know, catastrophes. Oh, Rally, yeah. Let's talk about the 2017 Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. <laughs> um, now, uh, we have a couple of names in the hat already for the Battle Royal. Uh, we have Apollo Crews. We have uh, Mojo Raleigh. Now, I'm not certain. But he didn't I'm, say it yet, but it's... No, he did. Did he? Oh, yeah. He came out and said that he wants to, he, he's going to be competing in the uh, Memorial Battle Ziggler? Royal. Ziggler? I don't know. So no, that's, that's what I'm saying. Oh, Ziggler, not, yeah, Mojo Rowley. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. No, um, I'm not sure. I think Ziggler came out to give Mojo a hard time. Yeah. We'll see if Ziggler just wants to pick on another new era um, uh, uh, superstar 
or if Ziggler intends to enter the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. But if he does, I assume it's going to go the way that most Dolph Ziggler business goes, and that's right in the can. So I don't think it's in his best interest to go up against that many people and try to uh, steal the show, as he would say. I think it's more in his interest to get under the skin of Mojo Raleigh and make sure that someone like Mojo Raleigh doesn't win or have the ability to be uh, all in for that match. But certainly Apollo Crews and Mojo Raleigh don't have anything, uh, you know, any reason to be antagonistic towards one another. So um, it already looks like it's being stacked with a lot of favorable athletic competition. Uh, the Battle Royal has been fun in the past, usually an early, uh, uh, an early ongoing event uh, for WrestleMania. So I hope it retains that spot. It seems to kick things off in a, in a nice way. Gets a lot of people out into the ring. A lot you never of, know who might show up. I know who might show up. It's got that element of the Royal Rumble in it a little bit, but it also ends with a definitive conclusion that nothing can be taken away from the winner. They are the official etched in history winner of that trophy for the Andre the Giant uh, Battle Royal. And uh, it, I, I think the, the longevity of this, if they continue to stick with it, will produce a lineage of people uh, much like the Royal Rumbers that Royal Rumble winners have produced, a lineage of people who are elevated by this. Uh, certainly Baron Corbin in the past, Cesaro in the past. Um, the Big Show as well. The Big Show as well. Well, there's a couple of names for us right there. Let's talk about Cesaro. Let's talk about Sheamus. Let's talk about the unfortunate events that we saw at Fastlane that led to one of the most confusing Go nowhere, do nothing matches I've seen in a long time. I, I was utterly spun around in circles by the decision that I believe Mick Foley made all on his own. And and this is the Mick Foley that has made a, a bang-up job of, of creating matches such as the Best of seven series between Sheamus and Cesaro. And he which almost was so- made between Rusev and Jinder on Sunday. Yeah. Thank God that didn't happen. And, and, and he made fun <laughs> of that decision. Meanwhile, yeah. you know, he promised Sheamus and Cesaro a championship match opportunity, to, no matter who won that, and then just turned around and put them together as a tag team and, and, and completely mismanaged the whole situation. So now we're going in to Fastlane, kicking off the road to WrestleMania, I'm anticipating a blockbuster tag team match, hopefully setting up the the future of how tag teams are going to participate at WrestleMania. And instead, we're we're treated to a delightful showing of Rusev and Jinder Mahal breaking up, and instead of that match being scrapped and Rusev going head-to-head with Jinder because, I mean, to be honest... They pro- it's not like Cesaro and Sheamus needed to fight each other. They do enough of that bickering on the side. But they don't have to put their hands on each other to, to get their differences settled anymore. They seem to be more cohesive than ever. But if these guys are going to break up that match, then why not make them the number one contenders and send Jinder and Rusev out there to make fools of themselves and beat each other up and learn their lesson for, for, for not committing to your commitments. So instead, Mick Foley rewards the whole situation... Cesaro goes out there and faces Jinder Mahal, but does Sheamus go out there and face Rusev? <clears throat> no, we get the big show. Let's talk about Cesaro and Jinder Mahal first for a second. Obviously, Cesaro defeats Jinder Mahal in this match, and that is obvious because Jinder Mahal is like a walking steroid. <laughs> yes. Okay, he's about to burst at the seams. It's not an exaggeration. He can't. Ex- Cesaro's quick and strong. <laughs> yeah. Jinder Mahal, like he has to turn all of his shoulders to look right or left. What did you make of this decision to have that match? Well, it was a great bathroom break for the show, so I will say that much. I've never been the biggest <laughs> Mahal fan, to say the least, but uh, it was great to see Cesaro. But the most exciting part about Cesaro's matches is his offense. But he couldn't do that because Mahal was working over the back of Cesaro. So we only really saw one uppercut at the end, and that was it. This went on for eight minutes. Eight minutes longer than it needed to. Absolutely, Drew, and that's about as much time as we have to talk about that <laughs> segment because we we are also now, instead of focusing on one match, celebrating tag team competition, we're now celebrating Monday Night Raw previews between the Big Show defeating Rusev. And honestly, I didn't see much of a competitive offense from Rusev at all during that match. What does that say about the Big Show, who is marred in controversy online and on TMZ right now 
for making comments about Shaquille O'Neal appearing or not appearing at WrestleMania this year, which sounds all kinds of fun. But before we dive into that, Big Show defeats Rusev. Rusev's a loser. Rusev gets KO punched to the face. <laughs> Is he, I mean, uh, him and Braun Strowman, you know, are they, are they sharing, are they sharing, you know, an ice pack backstage? What's yeah. going on? They're losers. They're losers. Rusev is a loser. I'm sorry, but those three choke slams. If, if if the fact that Big Show won was one thing. First of all, the second the match itself was whatever. But you get three choke slams. Did he really need to knock him out too? Like he literally propped him up in the corner and knocked him out with one of the worst looking punches I have ever seen. I don't know if Rusev is in you know is in hot water with Mick Foley and Stephanie for cutting his hair behind their back. I'm not exactly sure. But it didn't come off very well, and Rusev was nowhere to be seen on Raw the next night. Yes, Braun Strowman and Rusev are unfortunately losers. They're losers. There's really no other way to describe them but losers. That's exactly true, and that is kind of what goes on when you put your neck out like that. When you want to go up against management, they're going to do everything in their power to make you a loser. Is this the land of opportunity? No. SmackDown the land of opportunity? No. It's all a lie being controlled by the authority. My feeling is, is that there's a shadow WWE management system. That there is a shadowy figure pulling the puppet strings at the very tippity top of the WWE corporate structure. And I don't think that that's Triple H either. But we did hear from Triple H this past Monday, giving an update, more of a commentary, his own uh, foreheadedness about uh, Seth Rollins' recovery. What did you make of that? You, I, I, I sincerely feel that Triple H wouldn't be putting this much smear campaign effort to talk about Seth Rollins if he didn't expect to see Seth Rollins show up. As he said um, I want to say like six or seven times blatantly in a row just to make sure the cameras got it crystal clear <laughs> that if you show up at WrestleMania and confront me, just don't do that. By the way, if you don't show up at WrestleMania 33 specifically at about 925 <laughs> randomly I'm just throwing out a random time here but just about, in case you just show in up. case you're 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 thinking about showing up at 925 at WrestleMania 33 when I happen to be out there don't do that does that say enough about what we're going to see at WrestleMania I'm glad the match is happening but the approach they're taking is very bizarre after the the, the hotness really that is the feud had coming out of Royal Rumble weekend I mean crap's going to happen he got hurt you can you can't obviously anticipate that but I mean, if the match is happening, just say the match is happening. We got three Raws left. What, are you going to wait until the go-home show to announce the match is happening at the show? Why Why is everything for management a surprise? Like, it's not a surprise to them. They're holding on to all the cards. Yeah, It's not a surprise to us. It's not a surprise to us because <laughs> we're watching anyone. everything. Yeah, we you know, know who it's a surprise on? Your employees. The yeah. people that work for you. <laughs> you know? And I, I, I just don't understand man, management's sick obsession with treating their employees this way, even going so far as to employ the now uh, uh, title-imposed destroyer, uh, Samoa Joe, who is come in and just demolished and done everything that Samoa Joe does. But we have two destroyers. Triple H calls himself the destroyer, and Samoa Joe has been given the title as the destroyer. Brock Who's the destroyer? Destroyers. Everyone is yeah, the destroyer. Everyone, yeah. everyone is the destroyer that, that has any kind of connection to Triple H. But <laughs> unlike past cronies that Triple H has taken under his wing, Samoa Joe seems to be a defiant individual. And I, I, I say those as a comma in between both. I don't think that he's defiant towards Triple H necessarily, but I think he's a little bit more indifferent than people have been say like Kevin Owens who needed more of that rub and a little more of that push and guidance and underhandedness. Seth Rollins obviously had security teams and people looking out for him. Randy Orton had Triple H to give Daniel Bryan a, 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 a pedigree in the middle of the ring so that he could win his title. Samoa Joe doesn't seem to appear to need any of that kind of help. Why is Samoa Joe associated with Triple H right now? And he says it's based out of opportunity loosely associated because as you had said no one has gotten involved in his matches up to this point he beat Roman Reigns I mean with albeit with the help of Strowman but he still beat Roman Reigns he beat Sami Zayn one two three in the middle of the ring on Sunday he beat Jericho via count on Monday the United States champion Joe I'm glad he is his own 
monster. I'm glad this is a nice balance between being associated with the authority, but not allowing them to just water down every single match that he has. I mean, he's winning on his own, but he still has that 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 the authority in his back pocket. So I think it's the perfect balance for Joe right now. Well, and you you saw Joe on full display this week going up against none other than U.S. champion Chris Jericho. I mean, in a lot of ways, that would have been the United States Championship match at WrestleMania that I would love to see. Mm -hmm. Because whether or not Samoa Joe has the power or authority or you know wherewithal to be a WWE champion right out the gate like, say, Kevin Owens was... Certainly, going up against competition like Chris Jericho for the prestigious U.S. championship would have been an incredible splash for Samoa Joe. However, we saw this match uh, on Monday, and it ended in a very Samoa Joe-like way. Beaten to a pulp and brutalized outside of the ring, Samoa Joe expertly used the rule book against Chris Jericho and was able to get a count-out victory over the U.S. champion. Incredible strategy, brilliant execution in the ring. I mean, every move that Samoa Joe makes and Chris Jericho tried to counter was thwarted at every turn. Every step that Samoa Joe makes matters to Samoa Joe. And it all adds up to an equation that leads to him being champion. How does Samoa Joe fit into this picture at WrestleMania 33? which he is currently not part of. Well, I will say this, as you had mentioned, he anticipated every move of Jericho, made more impressive by the fact that prior to Monday night, these two have never gone one-on-one. This was like the week of dream matches happening on Raw and SmackDown between AJ and Orton for the first time ever on Tuesday. We had Joe and Jericho for the first time ever on Monday. In terms of where Joe fits into the WrestleMania plans, the WrestleMania card, what have you, um, there's there's a couple different options. I mean, obviously, we saw the renewal of the rivalry between Sami Zayn and Samoa Joe on Monday with Sami Zayn coming to the aid of um, of Chris Jericho in the opening segment. He's got, you know, the Seth... He obviously still has bad blood with Seth Rollins after injuring him a couple months ago. He could be put in the Battle Royal and wreak havoc there. So there, there's a couple different options, but I will say, regardless of what he does at WrestleMania, I surely hope he is in a match at WrestleMania. Helping out Triple H against Rollins is... That's all fine and dandy, but he should be in a match. He deserve he has deserved that much with all the amazing work he's done on Raw and NXT over the past couple of years. Well, and now let's uh, let's let, let's jump topics uh, only slightly here. Let's talk about some more uh, matches that have not been necessarily announced, but have been strongly apply, implied uh, that we will see at WrestleMania 33. Um, we saw John Cena and Nikki Bella take on James Ellsworth and Carmella today, but almost in a way to flaunt their talents and their control over the system in front of Maurice and the Miz. Now the Miz, oh wow, the Miz. He laid the verbal smackdown of a lifetime on John Cena during Talking Smack this week. If you haven't seen it, if you think that what he said to Daniel Bryan in Talking Smacks of past was at all impactful, then this is something you're going to have to see for yourself in its entirety. From the moment he has the floor, he doesn't let go of the reins. He attacks every fiber of the character of John Cena, his personal life, his in-ring wrestling life, his entertainment and career, everything down to his relationship with Nikki Bella, her relationship with Maurice. It was scathing. It was sobering. What do you take out of this? I mean, it has to be the match we see at WrestleMania. I'm thrilled beyond all thrills that James Ellsworth and Carmella will not be in a match at WrestleMania. (laughs) I, I just hope to any, 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 any WWE gods that we do not see James Ellsworth in any type of capacity at WrestleMania. Not even in the Battle Royal. Keep him off the show. No, no, no. I mean, like, stuff him in a box and save him (laughs) him till the Monday following. Then you can bring him back out and do whatever you want or or Tuesday or whatever whatever you want to do. Just keep him him on a shelf for just a minute, please. Thank you. More than a minute. Uh, Yeah, a minute. (laughs) For as long as possible. A long 10-year minute. (laughs) Whenever his contract expires, yeah. whenever that might yeah. be. Yeah, one minute prior to that, you can let him out. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so obviously not a whole lot of anything to talk about on the James Ellsworth Carmella train or God. Uh, what was the name? The uh, that JBL called yeah, Ellsworth. Yeah, it was, no, they 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 concatenated their names. So and it was oh like God, El, I don't El I, I Mella to, or uh, something awful. No, anyway, just no. I'm already spending too much of my my life <laughs> my life is being wasted talking about this. But what's not a waste of time to talk about is a one point specifically that the Miz made on Talking Smack, and that is that John Cena is shows the signs not only of playing backstage politics but almost determining what he wants to do and then asking for permission later much like this match that he made between james ellsworth and kamara which clearly as the mid Miz pointed out ellsworth wanted no part of and just because carmel is pushing him to to do something he didn't agree to it he he adamantly is on film completely in every single physical way rejecting the idea that this happened that he step in the ring with John Cena that he endure the embarrassment that him and Carmella faced this week multiple five knuckle shuffles multiple AAs every everything across the board that you know the the glitz and glammy uh, John Cena and Nikki Bella bring to the table Miz and Maurice they're so calculated Miz has been doing this a lot more than John Cena, Nikki Bella, as great of a return to her ring has has been, and she has been twice the competitor that she ever was. She looks in in competition. She looks better than ever. But Maurice is just sinister, and Nikki Bella has been defeated plenty. <laughs> what 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 are we gonna see here at WrestleMania when this gets announced? Probably next week. I mean, the fact that Maurice is a former competitor in her own right should not be overlooked. I mean, I know she's been in the corner of the Miz for the past year now since she came back the night at the WrestleMania, and her and she's you know used to slapping people. But Very that's used to that's different. People. That's yeah. about disrespect. Mm-hmm. That's not about what she can do with a closed fist. Yeah, a former two-time Divas champion. She has that inner accolade. She is a very impressive athlete in her own right. And where was Nikki Bella when Maurice? reigned over the women's division she was in the wwe that's right she was she was there yeah. and they have that bad blood you mentioned it last but week what was she doing at the wwe at the time was mm. she competing she was walking celebrities to the ring that's what she was doing she was walking celebrities to the ring how far nikki bella has come obviously the bella twins have made and carved out their whole legacy nikki bella being the longest reigning divas champion but another former longest reigning Divas champion before Nikki Bella was Maurice. Maurice. And who gave Nikki Bella the opportunity that she had? Could it have been the influence of teaming up with someone like John Cena? It very well and, could have and been. And seeing that new shine in her, her step? Very well could have been. I'm not suggesting that John Cena set any of this in motion. And if you watch Total Bellas, you would know that John Cena really doesn't care about helping anybody out. Mm-hmm. You, he's very much of the opinion that you have to earn everything on your own, and I don't want to help you because that would be worse than helping you. Sorry, JJ. So you're exactly good reference. So I don't totally buy that John Cena has to play all these politics, but I don't. I, I also totally believe that John Cena, when he sets his mind on something, he wants it to happen. And management has come around to just agreeing that he's got a pretty good eye for these types of matches. Why isn't management taking more responsibility and setting an example, even with someone like John Cena and saying, you work for us, not the other way around. I know that you want to have this match, but we assign the matches and we don't appreciate you continuing to do this, especially when another former champion who beat you at WrestleMania says otherwise. But no, management once again on the SmackDown roster refuses to listen to their performers. Full-time performers. They will take the advice of part-time performers and prioritize it over the people that make them day-to-day great and what they are. It's shocking. It's absolutely shocking. And it is painting John Cena and Nikki Bella to be the bullies that they are. And that's right. I said it right here. John Cena and Nikki Bella, and I've said it time and time again, is a bully. They're bullies. They bully everyone in their language. They bully everyone backstage. 
They, they make themselves involved in all of the hottest feuds, whatever they want it to be, and then they try to chip away at the credibility of whomever they're going up against. Does that sound like any leader of our current country that we have, just chipping <laughs> away and chipping away and chipping away at that credibility until everything's fake and you have to believe whatever anyone feels? Nah, it's not that kind of party, okay? The Miz has been doing this underhandedness for way too long and has built up a repertoire of moves and assaults that can absolutely confound the muscle-bound fitness magazine cover John Cena who simply I just do not believe is prepared for a mixed tag match like this if that's what we see at WrestleMania. What is there to detest about The Miz? Everything he said on SmackDown and on Talking Smack this week was 100% accurate. I'm trying to figure out how he is the the bad guy in all of this, John Cena, as you had said, is is a bully, right? Along with Nikki when, Bella. I mean, if, if you if you think Miz is a bad guy because he ha- invites people onto his talk show and will eventually let them talk, but maybe he cuts them off. Maybe he makes a whole point. It's his show. What's that make him a bad guy? How how does how does that work? You know, and I, I, I drank that Kool-Aid before and I was like, I, I, you know, I've always enjoyed everything that the Miz does, but I've also hated everything that the Miz does. And now I'm starting to question whether or not management's made me believe that I should hate this man. Well, look no further than Daniel Bryan's comments, calling him a WWE shill in favor of John Cena. That to me was the most comical and hypocritical statement he could have made when defending John Cena and calling the Miz a shill. The man's been here for 10 years and how many days has he been hurt for? Zero. Yeah, exactly. And, and Daniel Bryan calling anyone a shill for anything. I mean, just look at his meteoric rise and obsessive like uh, obsession with the WWE universe. Miz cares more about wrestling than Daniel Bryan does. At the end of the day, right now. And what does the Miz do? At every chance he gets, he reminds Daniel Bryan, I'm the wrestler, and you're the guy that can't. And he's not wrong. If you look at all of the people, uh, take Daniel Bryan's comments about Dean Ambrose. If you look at all of the people that had that a title belt, momentum going into WrestleMania by the next year, they were out with an injury. Six to nine months. Every time. Dean Ambrose, not. Who else is not being mentioned in that? The Miz, Intercontinental Champion. You know, constantly pushing his persona, brand, whatever you call it, forward. And yet he is dogged constantly by Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon at the brand split. We discussed how this was going to not be the case, how different SmackDown was going to be, the land of opportunity, they said. A, a, an even footing for all competitors to come and compete in the style of professional wrestling. And yet every SmackDown now, who do we see for an entire commercial's length of time? Daniel Bryan, Shane McMahon talking. Where's the wrestling? There is none. Miz is getting that point across all the time. Where was Miz and Maurice th- this past week on SmackDown Live? Sitting ringside. Wrestlers sitting down. James Ellsworth is in a ring. The world is imploding on itself, ladies and gentlemen. It's all personal bias at this point. I will say this. I know we're a couple months too late, or at least I am in this respect, but Daniel Bryan's bias against The Miz is so obviously apparent. I mean, you go back to the draft. You mentioned it right there. The inter- For a guy who cared about the IC, who claimed he cared about the Intercontinental Championship, why wasn't The Miz in the first five draft picks for either show, specifically SmackDown? Daniel Bryan's like, oh, I'm going to make this championship prestigious again. Okay, but you're not going to enlist the champion to your brand until the fifth or sixth round just because you don't like The Miz? That, to me, never really made any sense. Nope, you're dead accurate about that. It's just, that should have been maybe your number one pick. And you'd, you say, no, I don't want you, Miz. I want that belt on my show because that's the thing that I cared about the most that I had to walk away from. Nope. No, I'll just let I'll just let Raw potentially pick up you know all of our titles. <laughs> yeah, right. Because they didn't even have tag team titles. No, they just had the in. WWE champion, the IC champion later on. But yeah. that's it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there was no SmackDown Women's Champion. Nothing. There was no SmackDown Tag Team Champion. There was no champion of any type. And all of that has, uh, I think, been willed out of people that we are made to believe are bad guys. 
it, it just it just seems like such an imbalance. It seems like a, a road full of potholes on the way to WrestleMania. We have three weeks to go. I don't know if there's enough ice cream in the world to make this smooth itself out and become a little bit more savory. But if there's any group that can do it, it is the performers inside the WWE. The New Day is set to host WrestleMania. Ice cream for everybody. Graham, final thoughts. I will say this, though, before we go off the air. I know we've been very critical of the WWE these past, you know, this past heated hour on WrestleRant Radio, always making for compelling conversation. And we'll be back in two weeks' time. Um, but next week, though, I will say this. In, if you're looking for an alternative, a bit of a break from the WWE on the road to WrestleMania, I will suggest watching Ring of Honor's 15th anniversary show tomorrow night. And in honor of the show coming up tomorrow night, uh, next week here on the show, Tom and I will not be breaking down the world of WWE. We will be back in two weeks on the road to WrestleMania. But next week, I will be joined by the Ring of Honor COO, Joe Coff, talking all about 15 years of Ring of Honor. And also, a man that you, Tom, know very, very well, talking the main event of 15 years, the 15th anniversary show of Ring of Honor, Christopher Daniels is on WrestleRant Radio next week talking all about his legacy in the business. Adam Cole, Ring of Honor, what? the WWE, and everything else. It's, it's, a, it's a great conversation. I talked to him yesterday. The interview will air next Thursday on the show in an article form tomorrow on SportsKeda. So just for a bit of an alternative for any WWE fans sick of the product. You heard it here first on WrestleRant Radio. WWE out R-O-H in. We will see you next. Skip that. Two weeks <laughs> from now. You're great. We're WrestleRant Radio.